look a little bit like cat weasel, you know, cat weasel. That's Ralph Penstruga, a professor in plant molecular cell biology at Aachen University in Germany. Uh, it's, a, it's a UK TV production, but it's from the 1970s, about a, a male witch. What is that? Uh, Wizard. Wizard. And that's Matt Maskow, a group leader at the Sandsbury Lab in Norwich. Together, these two wrote a review. But this review was unique. It was the first review published in Molecular Plant Microbe Interactions efforts to address the top 10 unanswered questions in the field, which was achieved through a crowdsourcing effort at the last in-person ISMPMI Congress in Glasgow, Scotland back in 2019. These two eagerly volunteered to tackle unanswered question number six, what's the molecular basis of non-host resistance? And they cleverly structured the review to answer their own top 10 unanswered questions within this one question. If you'd like to learn more about the science within the review, check out part one where my co-host Raka Mitra talks to Ralph and Matt what they think the molecular basis of non-host resistance is. But who exactly are Matt and Ralph? They come from different parts of the world, live in different time zones, and have different research focuses. Yet somehow, this cat weasel copycat and German pharmaceutical sales rep found their paths crossing in our MPMI call for top 10 unanswered questions in the field. So, how did these two paths cross? And how do you write a review together with different mother tongues in different time zones during the heart of the pandemic? Well, that's today's show. Hi, I'm your host and producer, Testiette. And this is part two of Ralph and Matt Write a Review. Both men climb the academic ladder, achieving the necessary credentials to become the PIs they are today. But I was surprised to find that neither's journey was the straight and narrow path to professorship I assumed they would have. Like myself, prior to graduate school, neither one even had an interest in researching plants. So before we talk about how they wrote a review together, Let's trace their journey from budding researchers to expert scientists and think how many times a single decision would have meant they would have never met. Let's start with Ralph. Well, first of all, I should mention at high school in Germany, for the last three years, you can a little bit choose your subject. I completely neglected biology for the last three years of my school careers. The only reason why I then at university chose this subject to study is because my flatmate at the time, he was studying biology and he told me, oh, oh this is nice. This is uh, lots of fun to do it. And then I thought, hmm, sounds good. Uh, I do it. I was not particularly interested in biology. And well, when I started it, the idea was first to become a Greenpeace uh, activist in the end. Uh, and then there was a new professor who brought in the new world of molecular biology. And I was really fascinated by that. It happened that the guy who brought in the molecular biology aspect to the university, he was working with plants. If he would have worked, let's say, with mice, <laughs> I would now probably be a, a mouse researcher. <laughs> so it's uh, sometimes these little things in life that determine uh, where you go. At the time when I did my PhD here in Aachen, Paul Schulz-Leffert was a group leader in Aachen. And he asked me to join him when he moved on to the Sainsbury lab. It happened that I was about to finish my PhD and agreed to join his team as a postdoc. Then I became involved in the plant pathogen work for the first time and spent roughly one and a half, two years in Norwich. I then had a short postdoc time in Brussels in Belgium. 
And then I uh, left science for two and a half years because I was very much afraid about the future. I uh, had so many friends um, in the field of biology who uh, at some point became stuck in their career and didn't get another contract and then really were in, in a dead end, so to say, that I said, oh, I better leave that area. It's really risky. And then um, worked as a sales rep for two and a half years, which was uh, really extremely boring, no intellectual challenge at all. And I gave that up to become again a postdoc. Uh, and then at the time at the Max Planck Institute in Cologne, rejoining Paul's group, who in the meantime had moved from the Sainsbury Lab in the UK to, to the Max Planck Institute. And so I was in the very lucky situation that I could work in uh, two of the most famous plant research institutes in, in Europe. And then, um, yeah, I, I simply was very lucky with my project and then became a group leader before I moved to my new position in Aachen 10 years ago. Why did you move from the Max Planck to your to Aachen? Well, um, several reasons. Um, first of all, um, I also like teaching and this uh, you can better do at a university than at a research institute. Then at the end of the day, as a university professor, you are a bit more independent than being a group leader in a department of the Max Planck Institute where always you have a director ahead of you. And then third, and probably the most important reason for me was I have a handicapped brother who lives in a home for handicapped people here in Aachen, but I organize all the administrative issues for him and uh, visit him regularly and so on, which is more difficult if you work in a different city. So that's Ralph, graduated on certain times, entered the workplace as a sales rep, but was drawn back into academia. He's a plant scientist today simply because of his interest in molecular biology, and plants just happen to be the subject of that professor. So what about Matt? How did he land in this world? I guess when I was in high school, I certainly excelled at, at sciences and mathematics, but I had always thought I'd actually do mathematics. So when I went to UCR, I, was, I had a mathematics degree. I then had to switch to computer science because I had done AP computer science. The only way I could waive the course was to switch departments because they didn't have the authority unless you were a student in their department. Really stupid bureaucracy. So I switched. Later, I switched back to math. Then I, then I added physics later. So actually, my degree is in math and physics for undergrad when I was in the honors program and I could join a lab. And, and I, I don't know how the sifting process worked for that, the sorting hat. But I remember I had found a lab that was doing nematology research. And I was really excited about that, having no knowledge of nematodes until I learned about the project. I should mention, I come from a city. And while there was agriculture all around, I probably couldn't name most of, of the plants to you at all. But I landed in a lab that was doing barley genetics and would later on be doing genomics in, in Tim Close's lab. And I kind of fell in love with it because, of course, I, I got to actually do not only bioinformatics at, at that stage, and then uh, molecular biology at the same time. So I, I got to shadow the lab manager and I was actually learning how to do molecular biology and not really taking any biology classes in my undergrad. So it was really learning, learning the art of science, but not actually the fundamental principles. And I, I picked that up by reading books at the time. And then later, you know, I, I'd continue based on Tim's suggestion. I applied for grad schools uh, in my first attempt. I didn't get into any. Uh, and then the following year, I only applied for one and I got in and that was at Iowa State. And so I continued in bioinformatics and computational biology. No, my postdoc was, was here at the Sainsbury lab. And then uh, after two years, our, our group leader left. And then there was the opportunity to actually get promoted. So I, I then assumed a team leader role after two years. And then uh, two years later, I got promoted to a group leader role. 
In fact, I never planned to stay in Norwich. I actually was planning on being at TSL for a few years, you know, the standard three years. Always sounds like we were talking about prison sentences, by the way. But uh, no, yeah, and then we, we thought we were going to go back to the U.S., but then we ended up staying here. Just go with it. But I mean, the different environments is really great. Uh, being exposed to uh, different researchers, different ideas, um, and each, I mean, even uh, departmental culture in different countries, academic cultures are, are absolutely different. And that's fascinating to learn about. What I love about both these stories is they show that these professors that seem to be so established in their field started out on very different paths, very uncertain paths. They never intended to be where they are, but they found a mentor and a supporter to help guide them through the academic journey. For Matt, this was Tim Close at UCR. For Ralph, this was his professor in molecular biology. This was the support they needed to emerge from the arduous and sometimes debilitating nature of the academic system and become the PIs they are today. And this support would be something they would need to pass on to their own students and even to each other to publish this review. But we are getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Matt and Ralph, while both worked at the Sansbury Lab, haven't even met yet in our timeline. Let's see how that happened. Well, I have to think a little bit about it, uh, but I think we met first, well, maybe 10 years ago or so. don't know exactly where, whether it was a conference or whether it was at the Sainsbury Lab or whether it was, uh, I recall you once visited Aachen, correct? Ulrich Schaffrath's yeah, lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could have been there or even in Cologne at the Max Planck Institute. I, I, I don't know anymore. But roughly 10 years yeah. we know each other. So uh, when I had the, the idea for the first time at the MPM, ISMPMI Congress in, in Glasgow, um, I thought writing a review alone, uh, one could do it, of course, but it's always nicer um, to write it with two people. And then you can also exchange ideas and you make sure you don't forget an important aspect. And I thought, hmm, who could be a good uh, buddy? Then immediately Matt came to my mind. So, I mean, we come from the same field of particularly mildew research. And, and I mean, I, I've always been fascinated with Ralph's work on, on MLO over all the years um, and particularly challenging genes to study. We, we have a lot of shared scientific interests that, that overlap substantially. And that tends to dominate, I'd say, our conversations, right? Since, um, yeah. yeah. And having a beer together is always a good idea. <laughs> yeah, beer. Yeah, you can't go wrong with beer. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> Okay, so now let's fast forward a little bit. Editor-in-Chief Gene Harris makes a call for the top 10 questions. We all cast votes and voila, we have our top 10 questions and nearly immediately Ralph and Matt volunteer to answer number six on non-host resistance. And Matt and Ralph learn a little bit about what it's like to work together on a professional level outside the pub and swapping research stories. It's funny, I, I found with Ralph we, we, with this review, he, he's a taskmaster, but in a good way. And he was whipping me into shape. Because uh, this was during the COVID period, right? This this was was being constructed, and uh, but it was actually. But then we turned out to be the first ones to submit ours, which was pretty pretty great. So actually, I liked that at the end, despite the uh, you know getting it done. But as always, it's really great to write a, a review uh, with Ralph, and that you know we could exchange ideas, and we were pretty much aligned from the beginning. I thought in terms of where we saw the the review going. All in all, Matt and Ralph only spent a year working on the review mostly through email correspondence and Ralph's friendly reminders about Matt's deadlines. Yeah, I imagine if, if we were if we disagreed a lot, there would have been a lot more video conferencing. But since that that didn't happen, I, I think pretty much we wrote things and then we agreed with each other very early on. And, and Ralph had the idea of doing 10 questions within the 10 questions format, which was a really useful way to just focus ourselves. So um, as a result, and th those questions were established very early on and we really didn't deviate too much from the original plan. So, uh, I, yeah, I think Ralph had a really good idea to construct it from the beginning that really helped to bring it forward faster and 
made the whole relationship work pretty easily. Exactly. Yeah. It was five and five. So this uh, structure, this within web view structure with the 10 questions uh, really helped to subdivide the work. And uh, then yeah, I, don't, I don't know what was the reason that I took the first five and you the second five. I, I can't recall it. It was, I think it was personal interest. Like I said, Ralph, Ralph was very forgiving. Um, I mean, I, I will say that, that, that it was really hard to write with kids in the house with COVID. Um, at the end of the day, that was my real problem, like in reflection about what, what was going on. Because I'm used to, uh, you know, I'm used to being able to escape to coffee shops and libraries or other environments where I can focus in order to write. At the end of the day, we, we worked through that, that challenge because Ralph had gotten a lot done. And then I, I was trying to pick up at that point with COVID going on. But uh, I think I also, I have the problem. I, I am quite meticulous. So I like to be able to do things at a standard and I'm not happy if they're not at that level. So I, I usually take quite a bit of time on some things that as a result, they get very delayed in, in when they're actual, uh, actually finished and prepared. So that, that kind of, I have to fight against that as well. But I, I don't know. Uh, I think direct and honest communication is the most important component. And I mean, you should never make excuses. It should be, this is what's going on because it's just better to be honest about what you're doing because at least the person can understand if, if stuff is going on, you can, you can appreciate that from your own individual experience. And I think people have to be very good about if they, if they really can't do something, you have to say you can't do it. Um, is another important component. It didn't, it didn't work out that way here, but in other contexts, I think a lot of us overcommit in science. Yeah, I, uh, thank you for the very kind words, <laughs> Matt. I, I probably gave you a very hard time because I recall it, at some point I was very pushy and uh, and, <laughs> and sent you kept sending you reminders. <laughs> but uh, I think this is simply a, a, how it worked, and uh, this reflects the different styles. And in the end, we had a great product. I appreciate that people are different and mm -hmm. so that there is biological diversity amongst human beings. Appreciating the biological diversity amongst human beings. I love this overly scientific way of saying celebrate differences. But Ralph's wisdom doesn't end here. It's one thing to appreciate or show understanding to those you work with, talk with, and see regularly. But a review, or any scientific paper for that matter, is not published just on the opinions of two. There's always a peer review process that involves a few people you don't know. They are faceless to you, and all you see are their words of criticism on a piece you've already deemed worthy of publication. It's easy to feel attacked in the reviewing process, or to feel like the reviewers simply don't know what they are talking about. But Ralph and Matt have a very different mindset. A mindset I found very refreshing and harkens back to the idea of accepting the biological diversity among humans, regardless of whether or not you know them. I should say, I mean, it was actually a really good dialogue with the reviewers in terms of their, their comments on it. So, and, and arguably with this kind of paper, you almost want six reviewers in a way to, to be able to create a bit more dialogue at the stage of a review and to ensure that we're, we're not being too provocative or, or too strongly worded in this regard. But it, it was a challenge because, of course, you know, Ralph and I can read a certain amount of literature between the two of us. So we, we certainly missed a few things. That's always the case. So every review makes a manuscript better because you mm -hmm. get some useful comments where you think, even if they say we, we didn't understand this or we disagree with that, then it forces us to, to rethink it. Uh, did we really describe it uh, properly? Uh, is the wording good? Uh, could we give another example here? Could we, do, uh, could we make an illustration to highlight this point better? So in the end, the review got published. And this is an excellent resource for Matt, Ralph, and the community at large. But 
Ralph got something perhaps even more valuable from this collaboration. He became an honorary member of the Moscow Lab, commemorated by a cartoon. Oh, uh, yeah, my, my wife, uh, Amanda Moscow, she's, um, she's trained as a teacher, but she actually wanted to do art. And so actually everyone in my group, she, she does a little cartoon of. I have seen a number of talks from Matt over the years, and I always admired at the end of his talks this uh, acknowledgement slide where we saw then the individual Matt members drawn as uh, cartoons. Um, and it was really an honor for me when Matt, during our collaboration on this review, suggested that his wife could also make such a cartoon um, of myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you see, I use it. <laughs> I love it. I use it. So, how did Ralph and Matt write a review in the heart of the pandemic? With the fundamental principles that we could always use a little more of. Forgiveness, open and honest communication, and an acceptance of the biological diversity among human beings. Well, that's it for today's show. Thanks for listening. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Feel free to connect with us on Twitter at MPMI Microgreens. If you'd like to hear more stories on microbial interactions, you can find me on my other podcast, The Micro Moment. I'd like to thank Ralph and Matt for all their time in the making of this episode, as well as Blue Dot Sessions for the music. I'd also like to thank Jean Harris, Raka Mitra, and Ashley Carlin for all their guidance in creating the episode and all the hard work they do to make Microgreens podcast possible. We'll see you next time on Microgreens. But before we close, I would like yeah. to share this uh, this picture of Cat Weasel with you. Oh, please <laughs> do. Coming back to the beginning, you, you remember? <laughs> Full circle, yes. So we close the circle here and I hope you can see it uh, now. Oh, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. There you go. So, this guy here, this is Cat Weasel. <laughs> and this is uh, okay. the wizard who traveled in time from the year 1000 or something like that uh, into our current time and has several adventures. And I think he looks a little bit like you. Matt, do you feel help. like that's complimentary or how do you feel about that? <laughs> I, I'm okay. You know, we, it's, all, it's all fair game.